Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome you into America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker, Scott Kirshner, and Chaz Price. My name is Chris Swan. Here's how you reach out, 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030. Online, ARHQ.com. On today's show, we've got a heads up on a major tax event that could impact your retirement. Can you safely withdraw emergency cash from an annuity? And inflation is even hitting the tooth fairy. All this and more. But first, let me check in with the guys. Nolan Baker, not with us today, but uh, Scott Kirshner, Chaz Price. Glad to be with you guys, as always. How are we doing today? Well, we're doing very, very well. Nolan is uh, actually uh, down in uh, Florida at um, a little conference he got going on down there. Chaz, you and I had the pleasure of going last year, but this year we get to stay back home here yeah. and uh, man the office. And um, uh, But, uh, you know, weather is kind of... Up and down here in Northwest Ohio, and anybody, obviously, you listeners out there that are uh, in Northwest Ohio, we have two options. We can either suck it up and deal with it or move, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm boycotting jackets right now, so I think yeah. that has something to do with yeah. maybe bringing on some warmer weather. Absolutely. You can certainly hope for it. You can plan for it. But, you know, there are some things that are beyond our control, and it actually leads into this first story here. The Fed meeting in a couple of days and, once again, is expected to increase interest rates. But Fox Business host Charles Payne says the hikes, well, they're cutting into Main Street. Costco told us this week things are bad. Walmart told us this week things are bad. They're telling us that the average person is in trouble right now. My greatest plea is to the Federal Reserve, please take a step back. I think this underscores the fact that we need to take a pause with the Federal Reserve. But, you know, it probably won't and we can't control it, much like the weather, you know. But what is the next step now uh, when it comes to preserving our retirement savings? Well, you know, I think Charles Payne's got it spot on there. You know, the one thing that's really good with the um, with the interest rates going up is, you know, your money market accounts. Uh, you know, I talk all the time about the HSA, the health savings accounts for people. So anybody out there that's uh, investing in health savings accounts, if you have that qualified high deductible health plan, uh, the higher interest rates is helping you out a lot. You know, your money markets, you pull your money uh, over to the sideline with the market going up and down and and uh, you can get some pretty good buys on the money market accounts. But um, uh, Chaz, w- what, is there anything else that's good with these interest rates going up? Or Because, you know, I, we've talked before, I know with Nolan and you uh, talking before, they said usually it takes a little time for these higher interest rates to catch up and really see the effect of them. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it does take a little bit of time for the Fed's movements and interest rates to actually filter through the economy. Uh, What's interesting, though, and and I think uh, Charles does have some good points there, but it doesn't higher interest rates don't seem to have really affected investors too much recently as Mm -hmm. evidence of the fact that the stock market is doing really pretty well uh, thus far this year. I mean, I think more recently in the last three out of the four weeks, I think I read the market's been up. So we're we're not exactly sure why that is. I mean, when you when you look on paper, there's a lot of negative negativity out there in the markets, but I think uh from what I've been hearing uh, just we're still, you know, kind of on uh, a different trajectory of spending the US consumer mm-hmm. and it does still have a lot to do with COVID. I mean, I think it may have changed 
people's spending habits in general. And so that doesn't seem to be slowing down. The economy still seems to be strong. Earnings are coming in strong. So, uh, But generally, I do think when interest rates change, anything fundamental in the economy like that, um, it is a, a good time to start to reevaluate some things in your financial situation. So one of them is review your asset allocation. Okay. The asset allocation is really just a fancy word for how much do you have in fixed interest or fixed income investments and how much do you have in stocks. Uh, that also includes real estate investments as well. So most times I think uh, our clients and our listeners probably appreciate more of a balanced approach Mm -hmm. versus trying to get in and get out of the market, timing it and uh, trying to take advantage or complete advantage of um, interest rate movements one way or the other. One of the other um, investment ideas that's come to the forefront of our investment committee meetings recently has been these buffered strategies. Um, So people are most most familiar with the traditional stock and bond investments, but uh, not a lot of people know about or maybe don't own a lot of alternative investments. And particularly, uh, we're talking about buffered investments or financial products that offer investors a, a measure of protection. Now, obviously, when you have some protection built into the investments, you also lose some of the gain and the, and the potential growth. But buffered investments and alternative investments have been really pretty attractive in this sideways market of you know, a lot of competing um, economic indicators saying one thing, it's been a a really rough uh, arm wrestling match between bears and bulls right now. We call this a sideways market. Uh, Chance, what do you think about uh, buying, you know, the old country music songs, um, uh, Buy Dirt, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a couple of songs out there about buying dirt. Um, Quite frankly, what we mean by that is uh, real estate or buying some property and Mm -hmm. and, uh, holding on to that. Whether they build on it or not, they're just buying it at this point. It's kind of like, you know, gold, right? Yeah, it's a good idea. I think it makes sense, again, as part of a diversified portfolio, especially for somebody like you, Scott, that's handy, that you don't mind doing a lot of the work yourself because... With real estate, uh, the way I understand it, the more that you can do yourself as far as in, in sure. improvements and whatnot, that contributes to your bottom line. But I think, yeah, absolutely, they're not making any more of it. And so real estate is kind of a, it's a reliable source of income. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is definitely on the short list of investments that we look for, uh, maybe not in, the, in form of uh, actual real estate owning the actual property, but you can invest in uh, investments that kind of mimic the real estate market and provide you a really nice income uh, investments known as real estate investment trusts, some commodities. Uh, but yeah, it is part of that balanced portfolio, that balanced diet of investments that uh, the, the yin and the yang, if you will, the, sure. the, the ups and the downs uh, does have a measure of some protection in the form of reliable income. But, you, you know, you got to know what you're doing, too, because re- real estate is not riskless. Sure. It does have a significant amount of risk associated with it as well. There are definitely alternatives out there to having your money in the market, which seems to be the tried and true. So many people out there uh, expect that. But looking at these other alternatives, especially as you get closer and closer to retirement and, you know, you want to minimize, mitigate the risk that you may see uh, with market volatility becoming more and more present these days. Uh, having the conversation, figuring out what can work best for you all starts with a phone call to the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. 419 794 3030 is the phone number. That's again, 419-794-3030. The website, ARHQ.com. The people at Schroeder's, an investment manager, uh, surveyed 2,000 people of all ages about their retirement savings and found that, not really a surprise, many of them are afraid of the stock market. They had up to a third of their savings in cash. Is this common when you meet new clients? And are there better options for that money that are you know agreeable for a nervous investor? 
I think that, yeah, we do tend to have clients um, holding a little bit more money in their cash right now, particularly millennials. I kind of remember myself, a younger me, uh, coming you know, up as an investor in you know, pretty much starting in 2000, um, 2001, which we entered that what we call the tech wreck when the market was mm-hmm. down you know, top to bottom 30 to 40 percent. And then we rally back up. And then 2008, 2009 happens markets down 50% top to bottom. And then, you know, we have a flash crash, uh, 2015, 2018. Um, then, you know, we have COVID. And so I think it's just generally the fact that, you know, the millennials are entering maybe their peak earnings years. Uh, they're, they're coming into, you know, having some money to save finally. And, you know, they've been hit with some pretty significant stock market declines. And so it's causing them to be a little bit more conservative in general. Uh, based on the article that we were you know, referencing for the show today, it shows that um, about f- more than a third of millennials workers' uh, retirement savings is, is sitting in cash. And it, it's kind of staggering to me because this is precisely the time when you should be invested more aggressively in you know, taking advantage of some of these opportunities. I mean, this might be one of the best buying opportunities we have in the next 10 years, especially after having enjoyed such a long bull run. Uh, I think everybody expected that there was going to be a pullback. But yeah, uh, the the article also cited that more than 60% of millennials uh, and two-thirds of the workforce age 45 and older are fearful of losing money in the stock market. And so I definitely do get that that sure. concern quite often is that people are, are definitely scared. And that's really what's holding them back from uh, earning and missing out on some of these rallies that we just talked about earlier in the segment uh, that the market is actually doing pretty well right now. You know, I wonder, I wonder, Chaz, because if you look at that number, 45 year olds, if you go back 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, even not even quite that far back. But, you know, in 2008, when we had the big, uh, you know, bubble burst and then, uh, you know, we had COVID a few years back. But if you look at it over the past 20 years, they haven't really experienced all of what somebody, say, 60 has experienced, mm-hmm. right? They don't have that confidence that it's going to come back. They're, yeah. they're in the infancy of their losing money in the market because the market's all over the place. So I'm going to have that knee-jerk reaction and, mm-hmm. and put money in cash. Do you think that that's what's kind of contributing to this? Absolutely. I mean, experience, we talk about it all the time on the show, experience matters. You know, what you've gone through is going to determine what you're willing to go through in the future. And uh, with with a younger person, um, I think it just speaks also to the fact that in the industry in general, we, we tend to stereotype younger individuals and say, oh, you should be aggressive and you should be um, doing a certain you know thing just because of your age. Same thing with maybe retirees. We assume that they're already should be more conservative by nature without actually first assessing what their financial situation is. And so when it comes to how much cash you should have, like a lot of different things, there's no one size fits all. Sure. It really depends on, you know, what the uh, investor's goals are and how much really they have saved for retirement. I think it's estimated that um, you know, about 27% of the workforce right now says they have less than $250,000 saved for, for retirement. And so most people generally need about a million bucks or so, we, we might argue. And so the risk of not investing and not being too fearful of the short-term movements of the market is that you're not going to have enough saved for retirement. Uh, on the other hand, if you've been able to save well and you have stocked away, maybe you're an older worker, maybe you're approaching retirement, you've stocked away a mm-hmm. good amount of savings. Maybe it doesn't make sense for you to 
to have so much money in the market. Maybe you should be a little bit more conservative and more fearful. And so that's really where it comes into uh, the advantage of speaking with an advisor. It's not so much uh, us getting the exact percent right right now. Right. And financial planning is not you know, a one and done type of thing. It's more so to me is being less wrong in the future. So, you know, we make these course corrections along the way, and maybe we do need to change the, the cash percentage that you have in your holdings uh, along the way. We'll start with maybe six to 12 months as, a, as a, a general rule of thumb. And then depending on, you know, what your circumstances are and if they change at all, we might have to adjust that and in, in course correct along the way. So that's, you know, in my opinion, one of the advantages of working with an advisor is that, you know, ultimately this it's a moving target. You know, how mm-hmm. much cash, how much stock, how much bond you should have in your investments. It's going to change. We don't have to be exactly right today. We're going to course correct over time and just be hopefully less wrong in the future. And that is what's going to help our clients be successful. And you don't necessarily, you know, have to put all of your money in the risky part of the of the market, right? right exactly. I mean, you can you can be conservative with some money here. You know, that's the way we talk about diversification in the independent income system. Mm-hmm. It's those different buckets of monies that you put out there for certain situations. You know, if you're young, you're a millennial, and you're in your investment years, you don't want to look at the statements, and you just you know slap as much as you can away. You know, that's fine. You're doing something right. But doing nothing is not going to help you at all in the long run. Yeah, and, and, and that you make a good point there in that if you have any questions about what your investment allocation should be, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of presentations coming up in May. Uh, just go to our website at mm-hmm. www.arhq.com and you know, pick something that interests you. So sure. retirement income planning is, is a big topic. We work with uh, a lot of clients either in retirement or approaching retirement that have some of these very same questions that you have. How much should I have at risk? How much should be conservative? And in those presentations, you get an opportunity to really kind of kick the tires. Nothing is for sale, uh, but kind of see if if some of the methodology, particularly our our independent income system makes sense to you, where, you know, we kind of take your, I call it almost a statement of purpose. You know, what is the purpose for these monies? What is your why uh, to not, you know, to piggyback on Simon Sinek's book, start with why. Mm -hmm. And then when we start to add and use the technology that we have access to our financial planning software, Riskalyze, Right Capital, um, then we start to make them goals. But that process, you can learn a little bit about that at our upcoming presentations. We've got um, an educational workshop May 15th, starting at 6 o'clock at the BGSU Levis Commons. And then May 17th, also at uh, 6 o'clock, where we're going to be talking about taxes and income in retirement. So, um, uh, as always, you know, check us out on the web and, uh, you definitely can find out, uh, if any of these, um, um, prior shows you want to listen to snippets of them, they're all posted out there. And if you want to just have a conversation with the team at America's retirement headquarters, really easy. 419-794-3030. There's a fairly famous saying out there, uh, you know, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Mm-hmm. That's by Warren Buffett. So I dare say he knows a thing or two about investing, but you can't base your whole investment strategy on one adage. It really depends on where you are in life and, you know, uh, what your risk tolerance is. And so that's a little more than a, than a witty saying. That is going to take a little bit of fine-tuning. But the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they can help you with that. Again, 419-794-3030 or ARHQ.com. Now, speaking of kicking the tires and getting a feel for, you know, the team, there's a new survey that found the average person makes a first impression in just 27 seconds 
after meeting somebody else. And about one in three people actually uh, do that much shorter, under 10 seconds. So I have to imagine there are listeners and viewers right now that are tuning in for the first time. You're making a first impression with them. Uh, I'm not going to put you down to 10 seconds here, but but in a little bit of time, what do you want to say to them? Well, my events, one of the things that I always get uh, comments on is how genuine and knowledgeable I seem to come across. So, uh, you know, a first impression that I would try to do is just to state that uh, I've been in this business for a long time and my best interests are uh, having your best interests at hand. Mm-hmm. How about you, Chaz? I, yeah, I would say generally the same thing. I mean, um, if, for financial advisors, making, uh, and I'm including you because you, you sure. do the healthcare part of it, um, financial advisors, it goes beyond just giving, you know, looking someone in the eyes and shaking hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, those are some of the basics that I think I was taught as a, as a young child, you Absolutely. know, just to look people in the eyes and shake hands. But more importantly, when I was probably uh, 21, just graduated college or about there, my first job, I remember my first manager, uh, owner of the company I was working for said, no one cares how much you know, Chaz, until they know how much you care. Exactly. And so I've always kind of been a numbers nerd. We joke around about it. Um, I'm very analytical in my business practice and my approach with, you know, helping people control spending and, you know, make sure that they've saved enough to reach the goals that they that they want to achieve. And so I would say just, you know, what that means to me is coming across very honest and trustworthy Um and so the other thing I think is important for financial advisors for you to look for if you're you're searching for one is if they have a specific niche exactly. or niche, you know, whatever, wherever you're from. Um, <laughs> but uh, if, if you have something that you do specifically, I would say promote that mm-hmm. because there are about 750,000 financial advisors in the country right now. And it's hard for a unsuspecting investor to choose when we all have different names. You know, some are financial planners, some are investment advisors, sales. We definitely don't like the salesperson term, um, but in some cases that's really what you're getting. And so it's important to promote yourself, promote the specific niche that you have. Um, For a lot of our listeners, I think the, the niche that you should be looking for is retirement income specialist, because without income, there is no retirement. Right. So we specialize really in helping transition clients from the growth and accumulation phase, uh, getting up the mountain, if you will, to then getting down the mountain and traveling a much different path than what you had to travel on the way up. And I also use the analogy um, of a pilot sometimes with when it comes to financial planning. And, and you really want to have an advisor, I think, that's grounded in financial planning and mm-hmm. some of the concepts uh, time value of money, uh, diversification, asset location, some of the things that we've talked about, tax loss harvesting. But more importantly, again, that process going back to uh, refining over time and you know being less wrong every time that we meet and we're just course correcting. Imagine you know taking uh, from, from a pilot's perspective, how many pilots do you think, Scott, get up in the air and don't have a flight plan? And I hope none of them do. Yeah. I mean, there's been some American Airlines. I don't know what's going on with those guys. But yeah, very few pilots probably ever get up into the air. And if if they did, it would certainly not be a pilot or a plane that I wanted to fly. Sure, exactly. The other question I'll have, I'll throw at you is how many times do you think that the flight actually diverges from the flight plan? 
you know, I, I don't know what that number would be, but I'm sure that it does. I'm sure there's yeah. certain things that have to happen, and you have to change a little bit. You have to have a, a course correction. Correct, yeah. The wind might blow a certain way, mm-hmm. it kind of throws you off course, so you have to course correct. So I, I think that's something that, you, you know, as an as investor, if you're looking for a financial advisor, you want to make sure that they have a solid, grounded uh practice and, and professional uh, methodologies that are that are grounded in financial planning techniques because you and I both know as soon as we get up in the air uh, the course is going we're going to have to course correct almost sure. immediately and um, it's it's important that the advisors you're working with recognize that and know how to make those changes on the fly in the air that are going to protect you and and uh, get you to the destination as soon as as absolutely possible well you know I, I i know with with experience and like you said one of the things that a lot of people need to look at when you're uh, building that first impression i know it just happens right you mm-hmm. know you don't plan on creating a first impression but yeah. you look at somebody and you see something people that i have dealt with over the past know exactly when they're being sold something mm-hmm. and i know all of you listeners out there um, and, and viewers, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you if you go to one of these events and you see the presenter up there and they look like they're trying to sell you something, you can see right through yeah. that. Or if you feel like you need a shower at it, the end it, of absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you feel, you feel dirty after you go to an event, then there's probably something wrong mm-hmm. with the presentation <laughs> of that event, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're, if, if, if you're looking for some ideas on... Uh, getting over those first impressions, you know, like what Chaz says, um, uh, look for that person. You know, it's not one person doing some doing a little bit of everything is not going to be a perfectionist. Yeah, and that's part of why we work together. You know, mm-hmm. do you really want to buy your health insurance from a financial advisor? Mm-hmm. I ask that question all the time. You know, and do you want to buy your investment advice from? An insurance guy. Mm-hmm. I know me personally, no. Yeah. You know, and I don't think you should either. If you want to deal with somebody that is specializes in, in financial planning, then find that financial advisor that, that you're comfortable with, that you trust. And if you want to buy your insurance, your your whether it's life insurance or Medicare or health benefits, find that advisor that you can trust and and he feels and you feel that he knows what he's talking about yeah i I think also too scott you bring up a good point is that if if you don't know what you're looking for um i think a good place to start would be with a certified financial planner absolutely and one of the advantages of 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 selecting a certified financial planner to help navigate to the to and through retirement is first of all they're required to have a certain amount of education um, from accredited institutions, there's a CFP coursework that we have to go through. There's ethical requirements and a, a pretty lengthy examination process. But more importantly, in any particular transaction, whether it be, like you said, insurance, financial planning, maybe just investment management, whatever that engagement is that you're looking for, a certified financial planner by designation has to function in the capacity of a fiduciary. Sure. I know that term gets thrown around a lot and we've defined it um, several times, you know, in our own words, but to me, it doesn't necessarily mean, again, we have to be completely right all the time, but that it means we have a process and we know why we made these recommendations and why they put you in the best position they can be in. Really no other, uh, you know, advisor um, that chooses to license the way that we do can say that um, they have that, that same, um, 
requirement because oftentimes sure. they're duly registered. They are insurance agents and advisors. So you need something that kind of levels the playing field to say my interests uh, is as far as the client's interests are ahead of everything else that we're doing today. It's kind of like uh, with with what I do with Medicare, right? Um, you don't have to have any certifications whatsoever to sell a Medicare supplemental plan. You have to be licensed to sell health insurance. But you don't have to have any certifications. And I run into this a lot where a lot of people will say, well, I've heard from another advisor that an Advantage plan is not a good option. Uh, well, there's a couple of reasons why they may say that. One, they, they just don't understand all of them correctly. Mm -hmm. But if you're sitting with someone that is looking to present a Advantage plan, you have to be certified mm -hmm. and then you have to recertify every year to be uh, able to present these plans. One of the things here in America's retirement headquarters, the reason why it's such a, a great uh, place to actually come in and, and do business is we don't try to do everything ourselves. We have financial advisors, we have CPAs, we have attorneys, we have insurance, we have social security claims str uh, strategists, we have um, estate planning, we, we have all of that here in one building and, and obviously myself with doing the health insurance. So when you come into America's retirement headquarters, it's kind of a one-stop shop that will allow you all of the resources that we have available. So uh, check us out, check us out on the web. You can actually go to ARHQ.com right there on the top uh, is an about section where you can meet the entire team, uh, get to know them a little bit better. And then, you know, this this is obviously a first impression. Something Chaz touched on there that I want to bring back here. There is a difference between investment planning and income planning. They're both very important. Investment planning is probably something you're familiar with. That's what you've been doing during the work world. But how do you turn that into income? Well, uh, it's probably a difficult thing to do on your own. The good news is you don't have to do it on your own. The team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they're here for you. Just give them a call, 419-794-3030 to start that planning process. Tax day has come and gone, and most people probably don't want to talk about that anymore. But here's the truth of it. There is a major tax event around the corner coming in 2026, and that is the expiration of the so-called Trump tax cuts, formerly known as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed in 2017. Guys, what do people need to understand about this when it comes to big-picture tax planning and what do they need to consider for the next couple of years? Yeah, thanks, Chris. So, yeah, taxes, um, just getting done with the, the tax season, I think everybody does a, a sigh of relief and says, ah, you know, close the book on that year. And Nolan, you know, talks about that a lot. And, and one of the things that um, one of, maybe one of the, the shortcomings of the tax industry, and they do a lot of great things for us, you know, they, they help record what happened in history, but not a lot of times is, is your uh, CPA, your accountant doing some forward-looking estimates about what the future holds. And so as you bring up, you know, for, for all of his failings, I think if there were any feathers in the cap sort of uh, legislation that, that uh, President Trump passed, was this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017, and it did make some uh, a major overhaul of the U.S. tax code and some fairly sweeping changes. I just want to run through a couple of them so you kind of know what context we're working with here. And so, first of all, it lowered tax rates for individuals and corporations with the top individual rate dropping from 39.6 to 37%. Um, so, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but in general, um, tax rates, th these are some of the lowest tax rates that we've we've ever experienced in our, our history. Um, taking it back to the 1960s, I think the, t the, the highest tax bracket at that time was 88%. Wow. Yeah. And, 88%. And 88%. And, and I think that's one of the, the impetuses for President Reagan's 
aggressive tax cutting you know platform that he ran on is because he probably was paying you know when he was doing movies he was paying 80 to 90 percent in tax and i think that's you know i've read that somewhere so it, it it lowered tax rates the top marginal rate from 39 to 37. it also increased that standard deduction uh standard deduction for individuals and families which we all enjoy so if you're not itemizing meaning keeping track of individual expenses you get a nice hefty standard deduction that really helps during tax time and then it also changed and it put uh, caps on some of the state and local tax deductions. It, it eliminated some other deduction, deductions in its place. But, you know, for the most part, uh, I, I think it was a pretty, again, monumental sort of legislation. And so the, the takeaways there um, is that things are expected to change if we don't make any updates to that tax code. And, you know, one of the other big takeaways here is the exemption, the itemized deduction that you get as an individual to pass money on to anybody during your life or at mm-hmm. death, the the uh, lifetime exemption, the personal exemption there went up to about $11.7 million. Depending on what happens, that could go back to where it was before 2017, uh, which is around 3 dollars to $5 million. So what that means is that right now, individuals can pass $11.7 million to any individual during their life or death and not pay any uh, estate tax or gift tax. Whereas, you know, if, if those tax cuts expire, people that traditionally weren't worrying about having to pay any estate tax may have a pretty significant estate tax problem on their sure. hands. And so that, that just kind of gives you the idea of, you know, maybe you're not in that situation now, but maybe you need to start planning for that. If, if you're floating around a million dollars in 401k and retirement savings uh, now, what's that balance going to grow to by the time you get to sure. 70, 80, 90? Is it going to be over 5 million bucks? So it definitely is a big, um, a big event that we haven't seen, you know, any, uh, you know, big tax changes like this in a while. And so it's going to take probably, um, you know, a, a lot of legislative brain power to get to get our arms around how this is all going to work because, you know, you know, the budget deficit, we're continuing mm-hmm. to run trillions and trillions of dollars of deficits. Uh, we have already over 30 plus trillion dollars in combined federal deficit, uh, social security, and I'm not trying to bum you guys out, but <laughs> social security is on kind of a press up of, uh, you know, teetering between that, 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 uh, uh, trust fund of running sure. out mm-hmm. soon. Now, how are we going to pay for all this? Uh, the only way that I can see is having to increase taxes. And so it's not even just so much the tax itself, but the the overarching situation that this, the United States is in financially that we as cons- as investors and retirees really need to strongly consider you know, how we're planning and, and what our sources of reliable income are going to be, because it may look very much different in the next five to 10 years than what you were planning for and the conversations that you were having when you started planning for retirement. Um, it, it's an interesting case study. We're, we're all kind of watching it unfold, you know. So, Chaz, I, here's what I'm hearing from you. Uh, and I've talked with a lot of clients. I did an event a couple of weeks ago and had uh, one particular client come up and talk to me about some issues that they have. They're um, uh, in income of roughly 350000 a year. 
and um, they're looking at what are the costs going to be. You know, they're in their mid to late 60s. Uh, actually, they're 67 years old, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, a big question for them was um, uh, they got an issue that they're dealing with with their HSA that uh, they're still contributing, but they signed up for Medicare, so that's a whole other uh, topic of discussion. But one of the things I mentioned to them was, okay, uh, or they kept asking me a question. Let me let me jump back here. Mm-hmm. They kept asking a question, and the question was very simply this. What income levels affect Part B premiums? Mm-hmm. So, and, and she kept asking and asking and asking. So um, after we were done with the event, I went up and talked with them. And I, I didn't want to get into their specific needs in front of a group environment. But, you know, I found out that they're making over 350000 a year. They've got some uh, um, assets put aside. And I said do you have any Roth IRAs? And he looked at me and said, well, you know, not really. I said, here's what you need to consider. With a Roth IRA, it's not reportable income, so it's not going to impact that Part B premium. Mm -hmm. So based on what you were saying, with taxes as low as they are now, with the uncertainty in uh, coming down the road here, don't you feel that right now is a great opportunity to do some conversions and roll money into Roth IRAs? Absolutely. You hit the nail right on the head, Scott. And you're right. So taxes, uh, you know, they're inevitable. We're going to pay them at some point. So the concept of a Roth conversion is, do we pay some taxes now and and lock in some tax-free benefits for the future? So kind of uh, pose the question in a different way is from the farmer's perspective, does it make sense to pay tax on the seed or the harvest? Right. And I think everybody would agree it makes sense to sometimes pay tax on the seed and get that out of the way, especially now since the stock market is down. Mm-hmm. So when you think about converting assets, whatever dollar amount you convert, let's say if you had a stock position that was worth $100,000 a year ago, now it's down to maybe $85,000. If we move that stock position into your Roth, it's called a journal, you know, we create a taxable event, mm-hmm. but we pay tax at 85000 right. We're not paying it at its full market value or the higher market value that it was a year and a half ago. And then what we've done is we've locked in then any future growth back, you know, recovery from that stock in a Roth IRA. So it's tax-free helps keep some of your premium costs down for life in, or for health insurance. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and also, you know, we need to start looking at that process of converting up until 2026, because at that point we may, you know, tax rates might be too high to actually have it be a viable solution. So here's another question that I have, and, and, and the gentleman posed this at me. He said, well, we can't do a Roth conversion because we make too much money. Mm-hmm. Is is there certain thresholds on how much money you can make in order to do a Roth? No. Because I didn't know, you know, there again, that's your lane, not yeah. mine. But when he said that, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense yeah. to me. So that's why, you know, this is a, I'm taking this opportunity on the air here to to actually ask that question Correct. of you. Is there any income levels that will prohibit you from doing any kind of a Roth conversion? Not a Roth conversion, but uh, contributions to your Roth, you could be phased out depending on what your income level is and your filing status. But no, there are no limitations on Roth conversions. So that's good that you brought that up. So again, any listeners out there that want to pay some tax now, you know, while taxes are on sale, you know, it's kind of like being at the grocery store and you know two things when it comes to the sale is what is it, or actually three, what was it before the sale? What is it now, the price, and how long does the sale last? Mm-hmm. Well, this tax sale is, is lasting until 25, 26. 
shouldn't we lock in some some gains here, uh, pay some tax on them, and get them into a Roth? But yeah, there are no uh, issues with making too much money on a conversion. In fact, some of our higher wage earners, we use a strategy called a backdoor Roth IRA. And so if you're in a situation where you have a 401k and you know want to convert some of your IRA assets to Roth, uh, we can kind of do it in such a way that'll help you avoid any penalties or any of the testing requirements that are associated with that because there are some limitations in terms of sure. converting always, but you know, there's the income limitations don't apply in this case. There are certain things that we hope will be true in the future and things that we definitely know will be true in the future. We hope that the, the money that we have, you know, uh, saved away is going to grow over time. And then uh, we know that taxes, even, even if they don't do anything, which is a big, if they don't do anything, uh, when, when this uh, tax cut and jobs act sunsets, it's going to revert back to the previous tax code, which is an increase. It's probably going to be more than that. So if we know taxes are going to go up and we hope that the money that we have is going to grow, don't we want to let that growth be as tax-free as possible? There's a lot of merit to, to taking advantage of this and doing something, you know, looking at Roth conversions, making sure you're methodical about it. It's not as easy as converting everything all at once because that's going to, you know, be a cut off your nose mm-hmm. despite your face situation. So to figure out the right strategy, it all starts with a little bit of planning. Uh, ARHQ.com. Actually, before I do that, there is another website, usdebtclock.org. I don't recommend you go there that often. Yeah, no. But it shows what the debt is at, at this moment. Right now, Thirty-one trillion seven hundred three thousand, and it keeps going up and up and up. It's very depressing. Don't spend a lot of time there. Go instead to arhq.com. Set up a time to speak with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, or give a call four one nine seven nine four thirty thirty. It's a valid question, I think. At what age do you think you'll retire? Here's what actor and comedian Wanda Sykes, who is fifty-nine, recently told the Sherry Shepherd Show. Your wife, Alex, has been asking you about retirement. Yeah. Are you planning on doing I, it? No. I keep telling her, you know, she's French, and the Europeans, all they do is talk about retirement. <laughs> all they go, well, you know. That's all she does, talk about retirement. So she's like, when are we going to retire, babe? I'm like, I don't retire. Not They show us the door, right? That's right. <laughs> When the phone stops ringing, you go, well, I guess I'm retired right guess now. What I'm about. But then when you get, like, 80, the phone can start ringing again, right? Saying? Now, part of the process, uh, your process, is to show people when they can actually retire. If you run the numbers and you find out the answer is right now, I'm sure it's happened before. How many do you see continue to work uh, and then, you know, leave on their own terms whenever they want to down the line? If, if they've got a, a 85 to 95% success of retiring next month, do they pull a trigger and retire? Not usually. I mean, I've found more so it's, it's the the comfort that they experience by going through the ex- the exercise to know that they could retire. Sure. And in many cases, I'm, I'm thinking of two or three individuals, uh, they've, they've kind of got something else lined up with it. Like sure. maybe it's moving or selling a house or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of moving parts where you try to retire in, um, in conjunction maybe with your spouse or something like that, or, or, or some other, um, you know, work event that lines up. But, but not often. I mean, I think I've seen, you know, again, more, more so people ask, how much do I have to make in order to, to kind of do sure. an early retirement, um, maybe moving on to do something different. Uh, but, but generally, I, I think most people kind of know where they stand and that they're, they're prepared to retire basically on their own terms, uh, just knowing that it could be at any time. I've had clients say, it depends on how they treat me. If, 
Oh, this, yeah, I've this, had that. This manager keeps getting on my nerves. I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to, you know, retire early. Well, you know, I run into the same thing, Chaz, because people come to me and say, well, um, you know, I carry the health insurance right now. My wife is a few years younger or my husband's a few years younger. And, you know, we're, I'm, I'm hanging on to at least get them to Medicare. Mm-hmm. Unless they really crank me off and then I'm out of there, you know. So (laughs) I run into it all the time. So it sounds like, you know, kind of like Wanda, you know, heck no, you know, we're not ready to retire yet. Um, You know, I look at it, I, uh, in one of my events that I did uh, here a couple weeks ago, uh, she's 67 years old. She, and she told me, she looked at me and she said, I love my job. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like me. I love what I do, right? So if you love your job and you're not necessarily ready to retire, you actually can retire on your own terms. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that's the key with this is, uh, co- you know, coming to you and saying, okay, Chaz, here's my thought process. Uh, I need you to, to confirm that what I'm thinking is actually going to work. You'll mm-hmm. probably get that more yeah. than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really what it, uh, retiring, retiring on your own terms means to me is that it lines up with your own personal timeline and preferences. And this can mean that you just feel financially secure enough. Right. Maybe you've hit that nest egg, that number that you've always wanted, and that's going to allow you to retire younger. Or maybe you finally reached that full retirement age that you were hoping to get to. And, um, you know, you're able to retire without feeling any external pressures or any obligations that requ- that are requiring you to continue working. So one that comes to mind is the mortgage. You know, some sure. sometimes they like to see uh, that. You know, and I like to see it as a financial planner that you've paid off all of your debt right. because going into retirement is just a much easier conversation and in a um, a plan to develop with as little debt when, when there's little debt compared to uh, having a ton of debt going into retirement and you know really putting a lot of the emphasis on the stock market to perform and give you what you need to make your bills. Uh, that's a, a pretty um, dangerous proposition for a lot of early retirees. You know, don't you also think, though, if, um, uh, you know, the, the, the key is uh, retiring on your own terms, don't you think that if someone comes to you and says, hey, you know, I'm looking maybe a couple of years down the road mm-hmm. and their success rate is, you know, 85, 95%, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, six to eight months later, they have a catastrophic health issue come up. Mm-hmm. You're no longer retiring on your own terms. No. But knowing that you had that success rate mm-hmm. has to relieve some of that tension and pressure, right? I yeah, mean, because that's what exactly what we do is we we test it um, for those those stressors, uh, healthcare that may um, be more than what you'd expected. So you know, generally we, we kind of have a, a healthcare budget dollar amount, maybe six to $7,000 a year. And, I, and clients will say, I'm not spending that right now, but we want to make sure that you could sure. spend it. Sure. And that's really what I think the financial plan can do for a client is it is we can load up as many of the things that keep you up at night that, that you fear and that we think you may be subjected to based on retiring on your own terms. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? We help you articulate it. And then if there's a pretty high probability of success, meaning of all the the trials and the iterations and the projections that we run, the computer says, yeah, there's a 90% of them resulted in you passing away comfortably in your home, you know, with money in the accounts. Uh, then, then we think that that's a, probably a pretty good plan for us to start working towards. And, um, you know, making sure that we also have the ability to control what we can control. So like you said, you can't really control your healthcare expenses, mm-hmm. um, but 
we we absolutely c- can control what we're paying for things so you know potentially looking at strategies of tightening up the belt you know a little bit our spending strategy is important to talk about so i joke around with clients i'll say do you plan on retiring and aging like fine wine where every year you just keep getting better or or turning into vinegar i mean i guess depends sure. on how you look at it but um you know are you gonna or, or do we need to account for um inflation adjustments every year regardless of whether the market's up or down or in your budget and in your lifestyle expenses that include hobbies and interests, traveling volunteering spending time with family and friends do we have the ability to tighten up a little bit then we can actually show the probability of success uh, assuming a client is willing to have that conversation about when the market's down maybe we don't spend as much and we pull back uh in other instances you know, clients are really not willing to give much primarily because they haven't really, uh, they didn't leave themselves much wiggle room. You know, we, we can only say sure it's, it costs everybody for the most part about the same amount for basic living expenses. Right. If we're not generating that in their financial plan, there's not a whole lot that I can cut when times are lean. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, we always talk about how we can help people with, um, uh, you know, the, the good things, right? How we can invest, how we can make money for them and how, um, you know, I can help them with their Medicare. But let me throw something, let me throw a different twist at you. What do you tell somebody when you run that analysis and it comes up and it says you've got a 15% probability of succeeding? What do you tell that person? Because they're coming in thinking, man, I really hate my job mm-hmm. right now. I'm ready to pull a <laughs> plug and get out of here. They come to you and you say, uh, looks like you're going to have to work at least another four or five years. Mm-hmm. What do you tell these people? Usually there's something wrong in, um, I, I would say, their understanding or their expectations, rather, for retirement. And so what do I mean by that? Well, um, in many cases, they just haven't gone through the actual exercise to understand that you don't need to have every dollar saved today that you are going to spend in the future because we are expecting a certain amount of return from the market to kick that in and, mm-hmm. and to help. So uh, sometimes just level setting the expectations with spending, um, knowing that you probably won't spend exactly the way that you're spending now throughout your entire retirement. We have go-go phase, slow-go phase, no-go phase, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I don't need uh, to have that. So they'll come in with these, you know, grandiose expectations about what sort of income they're going to need in retirement. And when we subtract from that dollar amount, the FICA taxes that they're paying now that they won't pay in retirement, um, we add back the Social Security that they're going to receive. And in many mm-hmm. cases, the, they forget the mortgage is going to be paid off. Um, I've never had a client that left the office feeling disheartened or downtrodden we won't leave it on 15 percent. there's always something that we can do yeah maybe it means delaying social security from 67 to age 70 and really changing the paradigm uh if it's one of just um entitlement where they're taking it because they can um we have to change that paradigm to say let's extend our time horizon let's let's assume a strategy where you take social security takes pressure off your investments, markets don't have to perform as well, right. and then it inevitably increases their probability of success. So we never leave them on 15. They're always leaving at least with the plan. It may not be exactly what they wanted, but like in life, there's things that we have to cut, and we have there's sacrifices and trade-offs we need to make. We can help you make them and, and pick the ones that are more doable, more likely for you to actually follow. So that's why that's why um, we do what we do, right? It's all about helping the client out and making sure that we give you 
uh, at least you're walking out of here with a little bit of a relief knowing mm -hmm. that there is some things that you can do to make some changes and to get through that retirement. I'm sure there are people out there, people that have come through the doors at America's Retirement Headquarters who, for the most part, were doing everything right. And, and you know, not saying that's going to be the norm, but it happens. And wouldn't that be great to find out if you were doing everything right? I'm sure the team would tell you to stay on track on the other side of the coin. There are people out there who, you know, might start out at that 15%. That is not a failure on your part, on their part, but it is something that, you know, just by, by coming in, just by listening today, you're showing that you're taking your retirement seriously and, and you can begin to course correct and, and boost that number up, start developing that plan. And maybe you don't plan on retiring, but it, it's so much, uh, I think it puts your mind at ease to know that if you do choose to walk away from that job, when you do, you've got that plan in place and you're going to be okay. See where you stand right now. And kick the tires. Meet the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030. Don't kick the actual team at America's Retirement Headquarters. <laughs> but find out more about them, the planning process, and start developing yours. 419-794-3030 or online, arhq.com. And I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the show, spending some time with us here on America's Retirement Headquarters with uh, Ch Scott Kirshner and Chaz Price. Please have a great week ahead of you. Be safe out there, everybody. Uh, guys, always grateful for the time. And as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word. Well, I want to thank Chaz again. Um, I always enjoy doing the show with you, Chaz. We have a lot of fun together. Uh, once again, if anybody is interested in learning anything more that uh, what we have to offer here at America's Retirement Headquarters, um, you know, check out our website at ARHQ.com. And we've got a couple of events coming up May 15th and May 17th at BGSU Levis Commons. I uh, want to thank all of you for listening, uh, as usual, here on uh, WSPD, uh, Toledo's number one listening radio station. Chaz, I'm going to leave you with one quick question. What do you call a person who is happy on Monday? Uh, liar. Liar could be one of the answers, but it's actually retired. Thank you all, and have a great rest of your weekend. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.